Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. On the road to financial independence and wealth, you have to look at where the big money is moving. And as our guest, Michael Wise, president of Yield Street, says, it's moving away from the traditional investing model. This should at least raise your level of curiosity and leave you saying, hmm, tell me more. In many ways, like I I question to myself, are we still talking about investing or are we essentially talking about gambling with the market? Mm, And I think that's worth a discussion, right? An investor and a trader or an investor and a gambler look like they're doing the same thing. They might both be buying a stock. Hell, they might be both buying the same stock, but they're not actually the same. One is gambling and one is thinking about real value and real long-term wealth creation or financial independence. So one's an investor and one's not. And so I think that the harder conversation to have and something that may be worth really digging deeper into is saying like, does the 60-40 model work anymore? Should we as retail be putting a lot of our money into public markets? Is that actually the best place for us to build wealth and to build financial independence? And I, for one, don't think so. You're listening to Millennial Money with award-winning money expert and serial entrepreneur, Shauna Come to Game, where we flip the script on the old school approach to everything your parents never taught you about money. Each week, 
Shauna creates a safe space by talking with special guests from around the world about money wellness, entrepreneurship, traveling like a boss, and what makes millennials tick. Unique stories, trailblazing perspectives, tips, tricks, and everything there is to know about money. Find it all here as you uncover your money story and unlock the life you want to live. Pretty cool, right? Here's Shauna, money expert, Indiana Hoosier, and burger aficionado. Welcome back to the show. It is so good to have you here. This conversation was a fascinating one for me. I don't know about you, but I'm always interested in knowing what the investing legends like Warren Buffett and big money, what they're doing with their money. Where are they investing? What do they know that we don't know as as retail or just average investors? Maybe that's because I'm a huge documentary lover and have this allure with behind-the-scenes information. I like the juicy stuff, but in all seriousness, I mean, don't you kind of want to know too? After all, in my point of view, it's your money and your wealth that you're trying to build. So you got to know all the information. And Michael believes that access to quality alternative investment opportunities, aka what the big money is investing in, is fundamentally broken. And his company, Yield Street, is here to fix that for investors like you and me. So in this conversation, you're going to learn what an alternative investment is, why they matter, ways to truly diversify your portfolio, and so much more. I'm excited for this conversation. I'm Shauna Compton-Game, and this is Millennial Money. Let's deep dive right on in. We're talking about in investing, and this is definitely any time I take this topic from any which way, uh, the listeners just honestly can't get enough. And and we've seen this crazy stock market over the last year of what's happened. And you're you're an expert in this. Like, what investing lessons do you think we can take away and apply going forward that we've just seen happen in the last year and a half? It's a great question. I think that a couple things, you know, so first and foremost, in some ways, it's too soon to take some lessons away, right? Because we've seen this huge pop up and then we've had a lot of volatility in the market. In many ways, the market's behaving differently than it has in the past, but in some ways, it's not behaving totally dissimilarly to other big runs, maybe before the dot-com bubble or otherwise. I think what's important is just a reinforcement of understanding that it's important to participate in the market, irrespective of where the market is at a particular moment in time, because you can never time the market right. But I think importantly, we also learned the lesson, I think most people, you know, when COVID really initially hit, were pretty concerned and pretty scared about what that would mean for the economy, and ultimately where the market would go. And so for me, it was really interesting to see how quickly the government acted in a way that I think would not have been the norm years ago and is becoming more and more the norm. And so markets behaving differently than you would might have expected maybe five or 10 years ago is something that you need to recognize and pay attention to. And so to me, that just says like, always be invested throughout different parts of the cycle, stay diversified and don't necessarily stick with what used to be a truth because markets do continue to develop. So keep learning. Yeah. So for someone who might not know, uh, tell me a little bit more about, you know, the government coming in and providing some of the, 
the funds, the PPP loans, uh, stimulus checks. How is that maybe different than what that one happened before? So listen, in, in, there are a couple of different things at play. I would say the biggest one is you know people who are fierce believers in complete and total free markets you know, would not necessarily agree that even in a moment of distress, like we saw in COVID, that the optimal thing for the government to do is to prop up businesses and sort of create these fixed, these fictional safety nets. Whereas they believe that a free market is such that if a business is going through a difficult time, it will suffer. And if a business is going through a great time and a great moment, it's going to get rewarded for it. And so the level of stimulus, a level of dollars that came into the system, whether it be through PPP or banks not, you know, pressuring um, their borrowers to perform at the existing covenant, or simply that um, the system had been more forgiving to these companies, had created an environment where investors did not see their portfolios drop as significantly as you would have expected because these companies were not forced to go out of business or deal with significant distress. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, And you mentioned this word diversify and being diversified. And we hear this a lot. And I think particularly for new investors, they're just not even sure really what that word means. So how do we know if we are diversified? Like, what does that look like? Well, I would say the old saying outside of investing is don't put all your eggs in one basket. Right. And so... (laughs) I would apply that same logic here. Every company, every business, every person, every situation is susceptible to different levels of risk. The the most known risks are what we call general risks, and then there are the unknown unknowns. And so you never want to put all your money into one or two or three companies because if there's an adverse outcome, that may really hurt you in a way that you can't support. And so being diversified is really the practice of spreading your dollars across a larger set of potential investments so that if one or two or a few would ultimately face some challenges that the performance of your overall portfolio would not. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That totally makes sense. And I've been reading a a ton of different articles. And I mean, it's really hard to discount the fact that a lot of people made a lot of money (laughs) during the pandemic. A lot of businesses like Amazon and, you know, a few other businesses definitely uh, profited off of the pandemic, but also investing legends like Warren Buffett and and all of those those true legends. um, They definitely profited off of this time as well uh, through investing in I'm curious, what what happened where the regular investors maybe didn't, uh, they had some good returns, but maybe they weren't as amazing as as legends like Warren Buffett. Like what happened there? What do they know that we don't know? I think there's two things or maybe three. So one is a much bigger fundamental issue, which is the retail investor simply doesn't have the level of access that the legends or the biggest institutions do. Period, end of story, right? right? And so when there's an opportunity for American Airlines to say, hey, we need to raise capital because our airlines are down 95% in traffic, they don't call you and me. They call the Warren Buffett's of the world and say, hey, we need a billion, we need 10 billion. And they strike a deal that's really, really attractive. And those folks make a ton of money. 
And so there's a big access issue as a society we've dealt with for a very, very long time. You know, excitingly, companies like Yield Street are changing that right, and really bringing institutional access to retail investors by leveraging data and technology. So I think access is one. Two is going to be education, stamina, strength, confidence. And so what that means is when the world is generally faced with chaos, you need to be built of a certain character and have a certain set of confidence to understand that it's not going to actually fall apart and to see deep value. And a lot of these folks, as you can imagine, have armies of people that are incredibly smart and incredibly seasoned and have a tremendous track record in being able to recognize moments like this. Whereas retail investors probably don't have the same resources. And so what ultimately that means is that, you know, I'm bringing a pocket knife to a gunfight. Right. <laughs> Very unfair advantage. <laughs> the other way around. Yes. <laughs> and you talked about market downturn. And I think particularly the retail investor, we tend to think that we can't profit. We can't grow our wealth during a downturn, which just we're going to lose money. It's just not going to be a good year. But that's not always the case. How should we frame in our minds market downturns? Like, are there really ways to uh, grow our wealth when that might happen? Because it's kind of inevitable, right? So listen, the short answer is yes. I think there are ways that you can grow your wealth in market downturns simply because, you know, all tides rise, right? And so it goes the other way. Um, there's going to be value. There's going to be opportunity. And that means that you could do really well. I think what I have a hard time, you know, maybe expressing in a conversation like this is when we start to talk about specific moments in time in a market, and how to time it right and how to see those opportunities in some, for retail specifically, in many ways, like I, I question to myself, are we still talking about investing or are we essentially talking about gambling with the market? Mm, yeah. And I think that's worth a discussion, right? Yeah. An investor and a trader or an investor and a gambler look like they're doing the same thing. They might both be buying a stock. Hell, they might be both buying the same stock, but they're not actually the same. One is gambling and one is thinking about real value and real long-term wealth creation or financial independence. So one's an investor and one's not. And so I think that the harder conversation to have and something that may be worth really digging deeper into is saying, like, does the 60-40 model work anymore? Should we as retail be putting a lot of our money into public markets? Is that actually the best place for us to build wealth and to build financial independence? And I, for one, don't think so. Yeah. So talk to me about, like, what's the alternative? Because, <clears throat> you know, there isn't there isn't information out there really uh, I think, to the general public, that there is another way to do this. I think that's a great point. Um, for us and for me personally, I've become really passionate about this discussion. Right? Like, How do we take millions of people and get them on a road to financial independence? How do we help you get one step closer to that dream, right? And so you got to take a step back and look at where big money is moving. And so if you're looking at endowments and pensions, they're moving up to 60% of their portfolios into alternative investments. And they're focused on generating a certain level of returns 
mostly through fixed income like product, right? Private debt, private equity, and trying to meet their investment goals through alternatives. And so the, you got to ask yourself as a retail investor, like, and this was like the stark moment for me. I take a step back, I look in the mirror, and I say to myself, Michael, like, okay, maybe you think you're a little smart. Great pat on the back. You're telling me that pensions and endowments, who represent some of the biggest pockets of wealth and hire some of the smartest people on Wall Street, are moving up to 60% of their portfolios in alts, and you're not? Why? And I'm like, hmm, that's a great question. Let me go find out why. And I go on a journey, this is years ago, and I figure out that I don't have access to these deals. These are the Blackstones, the Black Rocks, the UBSs, the Morgan Stanleys, the billionaires, the family office. They get those deals. We don't get these calls. How do we even participate? Like if I wanted to put in you know, a few thousand dollars in a hundred million dollar or $500 million investment, like how do I do that? And so I became really passionate about educating people on what it means to invest in alternatives and why we need to modernize our portfolio. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft, doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. <laughs> I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. 
I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. In those moments when money is just not moving as fast as your dreams, Earnit provides the financial momentum you need to keep moving forward. Earnit is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. You just download the Earnit app and verify your paycheck. Then you access up to $100 a day as you work and you can leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. I honestly would use Earnin in lots of different ways, but what's on my mind recently is I need a night out. I need some good tacos to sip on a few virgin margaritas and celebrate you all helping this podcast earn 26 million downloads. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. Gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Talkin' Money under podcast when you sign up. 
it will really help the show. Talking money under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, subject to your available earnings daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. All right, I hope you're still here. Listen, there's so much more to share in this episode. I can't wait. So let's jump back into the conversation. Walk me through a little bit more, like dissect to me alternative investment. So you mentioned a, a couple of a couple of those uh, options, but you know what are maybe some of the the other options available, and h- how would somebody even know what is right for them to invest in? So you know, to answer the first part of that question, alternatives investments is kind of a catch-all bucket, really representing investments outside of the traditional sort of equity and bond markets. And so, I'll give you one, two, or three quick examples. Um, you know, you may have heard about people owning single-family homes and renting them out. You may have heard of something called bridge lending, where someone who wants to buy a building or a hotel or uh, an office park, you know, is looking for a bridge loan to purchase that property, maybe put some work into it, increase the rents, and then go to a more traditional bank lender. Um, you may be thinking of private equity, where you know a fund or an asset manager is going to buy into a particular business. Or even more fun, you may have heard about these um, you know wealthy investors buying art, and the art ends up right. being worth far more over the years. Or more recently, a lot of headlines talk about many billionaires who buy stakes in professional sports teams and have made a ton of money. And so all of those types of opportunities are what we refer to as alternative investments. And some of them are focused on providing consistent passive income. Like, hey, I want to make 8% a year and I want to get paid monthly or quarterly. And some of them are focused on what we call asset growth, which is, hey, we're going to buy this sports team. We're going to build a team. We're going to get better players. And five years from now, we're going to be worth you know double. And so that's going to be a 20% annualized return, but you're going to have to wait a little longer. And so you're either going to focus on income or asset growth, and it's going to be a whole bunch of different opportunities that you likely haven't been exposed to before. So that's what alternative investments is. How you find it? So I think in a big way, this is new. The Jobs Act came out a couple of years ago. It was really the first opportunity that investors could participate in these types of deals at scale. And technology has enabled companies like Yield Street and others to A, identify you and market to you, and B, create a really enjoyable, transparent, and digital experience that you could learn all about these opportunities right at your fingertips on an app or on a website. And so 10 years ago, you know, we just couldn't do it. Structurally and regulatory perspective, it wasn't feasible. But today, that's really how you get educated is to get out there and look at places like Yield Street and learn about alternative investments and start to participate in building a portfolio for yourself that is diversified and that's focused on balancing between passive income and asset growth and helping you build that portfolio. So are there any, um, I mean, are all are the cons to investing in alternative investments sort of the same as the stock market or are they different? Um, so I think, I think the biggest question you got to ask yourself when you're investing in alternatives is how do I feel about liquidity versus 
illiquidity, right? And so I think people get too caught up in the notion of I could sell my investment this second. And the reality is that most retail investors make a mistake because they're often selling, quote, that second when it's the worst time to. But I think one key thing is that to date, alternatives have some liquidity profiles, right? We spoke about some of the types of opportunities that you would see that may take time to, to realize. I think for me, that's going to be one con. The second is going to be investment minimums. So often on alternative investments, you're going to look at minimum of 1,000 or 10,000, somewhere between that range. Whereas in public markets, a person can really get in at any price, $10, $20, $50. And so I think the, the access component is going to be something you need to be comfortable with and able to, to manage. And the third piece that I would call out is because regulation is still moving in our favor, but not there yet, many investments are restricted to accredited investors as defined by the SEC. And so for folks who aren't yet accredited and aren't able to invest in some portion of the alternative investment market, they might find themselves frustrated that they can't you know, have as right. broad access as you would in the public market. But by and large, I feel that if you diversify your portfolio, you focus on private credit and private equity, broadly stated, you're going to see a really interesting portfolio balance between getting consistent passive income with much less volatility and attractive asset growth over time. So if we're, if we're thinking about this and, and it's sounding really interesting, like, are there any parameters around how much of our portfolio should be made up of alternative investments? I'm going to answer that question a little differently. You know, we covered a couple minutes ago that some of the largest pension funds and endowments are moving up to 60% of their money. And so the question is, if that's where they're moving their money, why aren't we, right? And so right. to me, I think some of the things we just spoke about need to be solved for as you think about allocating more and more of your portfolio. Um, to me, 60-40 is dead. So like that's just not how I'm investing anymore. I don't think that debt yields are anywhere near remotely attractive. Like I, you know, I can't pay for dinner on 0.5%, so it's not helping me. Uh, and there's too much volatility in the market. And I don't necessarily disagree that the market is not going to continue to perform the way it has over 20-year cycles. But I'm just not the guy that wants to see my portfolio popping up and down, up and down, up and down every day. Like on a bad day, I'm down thousands of dollars. On a good day, I'm up. I'm just not, that's right. not the relationship I want to have with my money. I feel like it's a volatile marriage, right? I'd rather have, <laughs> maybe I'm not the coolest guy in the world, but I have a really good marriage and I have a good relationship and it's more consistent for me. And so I want to feel the same way about my money. I have a plan. I'm going to grow it. I'm going to generate passive income. It's going to be fairly consistent. I'm not going to be as correlated to the market swings. And I know that I'm going to get access to some really great managers and really great and interesting and unique products like the ones we spoke about. And over time, they're going to really you know, build that portfolio. I think for me to get closer to like 65, 70%, I do want to see some liquidity come into the alternative markets. I think that, you know, that becomes an important point. There is got to be a part of your portfolio that's safer. There does have to be a part of your portfolio that's available to you in case of emergency. And so 
we're going to have to solve for some of these things as an in, as an industry if we want to get people up to you know those numbers. For me, I'm pretty comfortable having about fifty percent of my portfolio on alternatives now, as long as I can identify a healthy level of diversification. So I want to be invested across the various sectors that we spoke about, and I you know to me I I feel incredibly um, blessed that we live in a generation that I can invest in these types of transactions in a fractional amount that works for me and have a really healthy portfolio. I love this message because I love the idea of creating something that isn't so volatile. You know, there's uh, a lot of people in the last year, I mean, with GameStop and AMC and all of these kind of crazy meme stocks that have gone every which way and people are investing money without really even knowing what they're doing or there isn't any strategy. It's just, hey, somebody made a lot of money. Maybe I can make money too. Do you think that the market is just going to keep kind of evolving and and changing some of these old like 60-40, you know, I don't even know, rules or specifications are going to die off as like technology and access to education just keeps growing over the next few years? So I, I think a motto in life generally, whether it's investing or just you know, being a person who's interested in growing and learning all the time, you know, Melinda and I, my partner and I talk to each other all the time and we say adapt or die. And that's not new. Right. And so we go through cycles, whether it's how we behave as consumers and I can give you a fun example or how we invest or how the markets treat us. I think fundamentally the market will adapt to what's new. Right. So in some years, the market's going to be, you know, bringing in crypto and other components and passion assets and all the stuff that we're seeing. They're going to become part of the broader investing market. But yeah, I think that we change and our priorities change. So like, I'll give you, give you a great example. I, I like to say all the time, 15 years ago, the two phones that were glued to me was a BlackBerry and a Nokia. You couldn't pay me to take a different phone. They both probably averaged three to five day batteries. They were both sub 300 bucks. I think the BlackBerry was 299. I still had the one with the wheel on the side. It was the best messaging <laughs> device that ever existed. I had everybody on BBM. I wasted zero time. There was no social media. There was none of this stuff on it. It was just my emails for work, my texts for friends, and an occasional brick breaker if that's where my day was at. And where are we today, right? We traded that in for a phone that's five times the price, whether it's an Android or an iPhone, and for apps that crash all the time and this, that, and the other. But the reason that we did it is because we're far more efficient. And so we're saying to ourselves, we're ready to sacrifice some level of quality to get much more utility. Another example is growing up, my mom would send us along with you know all the other kids in the neighborhood to the baker, the butcher, the fisherman, the flower store, the hardware store, the bank. And that was like sort of our Friday errands post-school. Today, you're going to do all that on a combination of Whole Foods and Amazon, and you're done. Yeah. And I would venture to say that the butcher probably had better meat than Whole Foods is bringing in. The fisherman may have been better. But the totality of the experience is far more enjoyable and far more efficient today than it was back then. And so we went from being consumers that were focused on task-based efficiency. My beeper is my beeper. My BlackBerry does my emails. My phone makes my calls. 
to saying, no, we want one device. And the same goes for everything else in our life. We are utility seekers. And so I ask you, like, do you feel satisfied with how you manage your money with the options available to you? Or are you chasing all these different places to solve for some outcome that you're working towards? And so like that experience is just not who we are in 2021. And so, yeah, yeah, I do believe that things need to change and people are adapting and money is moving and the retail investor is speaking up. You know, like I joke around, I haven't gone to GameStop since my bar mitzvah and I don't intend on it. There's no reason. <laughs> it sucks, right? So why right. are people buying it? They're buying it because they're saying something. They're screaming from the rooftops and saying, we need access. We want a chance too. It's not just the billionaires that get to make money. It's not just a Stevie Cohen that says, hey, man, I'm just trying to make a buck. It's like, what about the rest of us? And so for me, it very much highlights where the retail investor mindset is and that there's a huge shift in Wall Street and capital markets and investing that we're going to see over the next 10 years. Yeah, it's really it's really exciting. It's, it's so interesting to watch and see. And you're right. I think so many people are saying like, what about me? Wait, I want, you know, I want to make money too. And it's it's so cool that there are lots of different opportunities now that didn't even exist a few years ago. So tell me a little bit about Yield Street. So if somebody is interested in this idea of investing in alternative investments, they come to Yield Street. Like what what are they looking at? What's the process? Sure. So listen, we're on a mission, very simply put, to help millions of people get in a road to financial independence. And we're going to do that by bringing you coveted access to institutional quality investments that you most likely have never seen before. We're going to do our best to provide as much information around alternative investments and those particular opportunities so that you could really feel empowered and educated and able to make a decision that's right for you. We've made the experience transparent, enjoyable, digital, engaging, so that you want to have a relationship with your money. So you want to look at these opportunities and invest. You're essentially going to see four different types of products. And I, I like to say it's the four sons at different stages of their life or just four different people. So the first is individual investments. So here's a real estate opportunity, an art opportunity, etc. And you could choose to build a portfolio by aggregating different exciting individual investments. The second is the person that says, hey, for one reason or another, whether I don't have time or enough money or I don't want to take the risk on individual picks. I'm a thematic investor. So Yield Street, like I'd like to make an investment and buy into a real estate fund that's comprised of many different real estate deals so that I have diversity. So that's available. We call that the thematic funds. Then you have the third party funds where Yield Street says, hey, we're going to go find some of the best in class managers out there. Like we did, a, we made an investment at Yield Street in Avenue Capital's most recent fund, which is Mark Lassery. You may know him as the owner of the Bucks, but he's also invested almost $100 billion over his career. Or Harvard Group, which is a $13 billion real estate manager. And so you'll now get access through Yield Street to one or more of investment funds that we have that are invested in managers like that. Um, then the fourth and the final is the person who says, I really like what you guys are doing. I want to generally be passive. I want to be highly diversified and I want to have the opportunity to have a consistent return. 
And for that type of person, we have a fund that really tries to invest across almost everything we do at Yield Street. And so that's really the experience you're going to see at Yield Street. And I think that, you know, people are really excited about the opportunity to get access to what we offer them as evidenced by our growth. But Melinda and I and the management team are most excited by the difference that we're making in people's lives, right? Like we've returned over a billion dollars in the last six years since we started, which has changed people's lives and given them, you know, profits and returns that they never would have seen without us. And so that's really exciting for us to be a part of. Yeah, I love that mission. I love that connection to to changing people's <clears throat> one second. I love that mission. I love connecting to to changing people's lives. I think that's so empowering. And Michael, I love to leave every episode with something actionable, a takeaway, strategy, tip, recommendation, anything that you've got. What do you think the millennial money listeners need to walk away with when we think about alternative investments or just investing in general? So listen, I, I like to, when asked a question like that, I like to think about what I tell myself. Um, I'm sort of a practice what you preach kind of guy. And so for me, I ask myself every day the following question. Does my money work as hard for me as I do for it? And if that day the answer is no, then I need to understand why I'm not better invested. And I need to be more engaged because... If I'm going to get ahead in life, it's going to be by taking charge of my future and by being actively invested. And so I think the question to ask yourself every day is that question. Is my money working as hard for me as I do for it? And let let that answer lead you down a path. Yeah, such a such a great question to ask. I mean, I think it really brings up so many different thoughts. Well, this has been this has been so informative, Michael. I would love for you to tell everyone listening where they can go to connect with you and to learn more about Yield Street. Sure. So, guys, I love to connect. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram as Michael J. Weiss. I'm on Twitter, um, and our website here at Yield Street is super intuitive and easy to use. And um, you can contact us there as well. And the last thing I'll leave you with is if you find that there are things that we can do to continue to perfect and offer you an even better journey, then tell us because we're building this for you and for us and um, we're investor first. So that's how to reach me and I look forward to engaging with you. File this episode under things that make you go, hmm, it's interesting and compelling, right? One of my best money lessons that my dad ever taught me was, he said, you have to follow the money. Where is it going? What are the trends? You have to look beyond the conventional boxes to find opportunities. So Michael's insight really has me thinking, okay, maybe I should start looking at investing from a different perspective. I don't know. I'm curious. What do you think? Listen, if you enjoy this episode, share it with friends, family members, anybody who you think would love this as well. And listen, I got great news to share with you. Apparently, Apple has now decided to get their you-know-what together and fix their podcast app. So you can go to Apple Podcasts, hopefully once again, if that is your podcast listening platform, 
be sure to hit follow and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you're listening to us anywhere else, just make sure and hit the subscribe button so that you can get all of our new episodes. And you can head to our show notes for all the links to our episode guests and our sponsors. I'll see you back here in a few days for a brand new episode. Hey, you. Yes, you. Before you go, we want to say thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Money. For all the links, tags, and ads you've heard on today's episode, check out the show notes or go to mmoneypodcast.com where you'll find more episodes to share with your friends. While you're at it, leave us a review and make sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss out on all the money tips and tricks that will take you from a millennial regular to a millennial money expert. See you back here in a few days with a fresh new episode.